Welcome back to the Epic Release Adventures podcast. This is episode number four. Uh, myself and Timmy are hanging out tonight. All right, all right, all right. And it's a little bit rainy outside, so we decided after we just recorded episode number three, we had nothing better to do but hang out and do a little storytelling. So this is going to be the first storytelling episode. Tell me about the good old days. <laughs> That's right. So we did a little talk, and I think we're going to just kind of do a, I'm going to quiz Timmy and let him tell a little story. I'm going to pick one of his hunts for him to tell about. Quiz? That means it's a right and a wrong answer. <laughs> and um, then he's going to hit me back with one of mine, and we'll just tell a little quick story about it and see how long it goes and have a little fun with it. So. I've done just a little bit of thinking. Just dropped some popcorn here. And don't I hurt. Think, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I think I want to hear the story. Hmm. I want it to be interesting. Okay. I want the story of your biggest archery buck. Mm. Biggest archery buck. I do not know the year. Oh, yeah. We're Up not, north, northern Missouri. We're not doing years. One of them years. Was not running shell cameras, did not know he was in the area. But I was hunting the infamous Big Woods. The Big Woods. The Big Woods. The Big Woods consisted of less than 20 acres. All um, hardwood timber. Right on the edge of a well-maintained, very managed property that will name <laughs> that will uh remain nameless that's right um owned by a very famous baseball professional pitcher and um carried my stand in um private property so carried my stand in lone wolf carried my spikes in never been in the tree before so this hunt, you had no stands up in this in the big woods at this time. No, well, no, we had stands up, but okay. I didn't go to them. Okay, so there were always stands up, but <clears throat> carried the stand in, carried my spikes in, used a uh, lineman's rope safety harness. So I climb a tree with spikes on my feet, just like you see electrical linemen climb poles, and get up to the desired height. Pull the stand up with a rope, hang it, get in the stand. Then pull my pack and bow up. And um, I remember pretty cold morning. Saw some deer. It was uh, 9 or 10 o'clock. Okay. And uh, Hold on. Before you, so set the stage. This is in November? Yep, November. It's Just about... before gun season. Okay. Right. Uh, Hold on. It was November 4th. November I do 4th. remember that. Isn't, that. isn't that voting day? Hmm? That voting day? Voting day, I don't know. Is that election day? Uh I don't know. Now I'm gonna have to look up. Go ahead. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's deer hunting day is what it that's is. Right. That's the that's some of the best hunting of the entire year right there. So saw some deer, bucks and does, um, passed on them up in a tree, nine or ten o'clock. Well, it's far enough into the day I can remember the shadows changing uh with the sun already moving in the sky. And um, 
I hear I hear movement and I actually see this deer well out of archery range. Well out of archery range. And I had the one thing everyone should have with them on stand beginning of November. And that is what is that? The old rattling antlers. You gotta have rattling antlers. <laughs> We're doing all the sound effects. <laughs> so uh, he's moving through the timber alone, and um, I can see him. And I grab the rattling horns, and I hit them together as absolutely hard as I can. And he stops, looks in my direction. I don't stop rattling immediately. Uh, I keep rattling. And when I do stop, he starts walking my is, way. Is this the deer that you face the other side of the tree? So that you could rattle? No. Oh, okay. No. No, I didn't really hide it much. I mean, the horns are in front of me, between me and the deer. But, I mean, he's substantially a ways in front of me, away from me in the timber. And I stop rattling. He turns. I can still see it. Turns to his right and starts walking a beeline straight for me. I hang the horns up, immediately grab my bow, and clip on, and start talking to myself. Here's your chance. Here's your chance. Don't screw it up. Stay calm. Stay at, calm. At this point, did you know it was? I mean, the biggest. No. Oh, okay. I knew it was a good deer, but you didn't. Know Without how looking at him through binoculars, I could tell from the mass he was a good deer. Right. Yeah. I would don't want to say he was a hundred yards because he wasn't quite a hundred yards, but he was it's, close to it's it. It's thick in there. It's thick, and uh, no rattling. Or I'm sorry, no binoculars. I could tell he's a good deer. Okay. So he's coming. He's approaching. Um crosses this little ditch ravine comes up and he's directly to my left uh, before he gets to me come to full draw and I'm calm stay calm put a, a G5 dead meat right behind the shoulder good old dead meat good old dead meat back in the day 30 yards and um, knew it was a good shot right as soon as I release the arrow arrow sticks in the ground and I watch him run off. And uh, then the shakes set in. Just uncontrollable adrenaline. Here come the shakes. Yeah. Set my bow down, and I'm pumped. Did you see Here's, him go down? I did not see him go okay. down. But um, just as soon as I set my bow down, I hear ch coming through the woods. And look over to my left, just a little bit further than where he was when I shot him. And guess what there was? Another good buck. Another good buck. Another one. I obviously heard the rattling, and he came in, too. And that's where I, I grabbed my cell phone. I'm going to tattle on myself just a little bit. Grab my cell phone, and I text my father-in-law, who was sitting a few hundred yards away from me in the same patch of timber, and I told him, rattle, rattle now, rattle loud. And um, sent it. And I could not hear him rattle, but in the meantime, that buck um, did not see what he was looking for. He came in looking for a fight, came in looking to see some deer. Didn't see him, so he just turned around and walked back the way he came. Yeah. And uh, Mike rattled real loud. And uh, in the end, he actually shot that deer. And he got his mounted, that one that uh, came up second. Yep. And uh, I sat in the stand. I always sit in the stand. A absolute minimum of 30 minutes to 45 minutes after shooting a deer and um, as I sat there I was looking at my arrow through binoculars and I could see some blood 
and I could actually follow the blood, follow the blood trail sitting in the stand. And um, once again, I sat there. This time I sat a little bit longer because one he came once he came in and I shot him. I knew the magnitude of this deer, so I sat there for an hour and the shadows had changed enough. I followed the blood trail with my binoculars and I could see him laying there. Nice. Yeah. So I knew he was down, but uh, at the at the point that you saw and you knew he was down, uh-huh. what what did you do then? Like I mean, what was your emotion? Oh, I mean, was... the celebration started a little bit, but I still had no idea of the magnitude of this okay. deer. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, got out of my tree and um, messaged Mike. He came over, told me he ended up shooting a good buck. Uh, later found out it was the same buck that I had rattled in. And when I texted him to tell him to rattle. And he walked up with me with this deer, and it is on video somewhere. Oh. And uh, Phone video? Do what? Phone video? No. Oh, you no, had a camera. No, this was back in the day when we had that Sony Oh, uh, video camera Canon. with a little mini disc. No, this oh. was before then. It was the mini discs. Yeah, I remember that. The yeah. little bitty mini discs. Yeah. You had to finalize them, and then as soon as you finalized them, you could put them in your DVD player. Yeah. So, um, walked up on this deer, had no idea he was what he was, but it was awesome. And ended up being a nice uh, mainframe tin with some kickers and some junk on them. And, and later on, you went up to the Big Buck Classic with us? Yeah, went up to Big Buck Classic. Had it officially scored. He did pretty well. He did all right. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he grossed out at 175. 175. With a bow. With in a Missouri. Bow. In Missouri. Was that the same year you killed Muddy? Yeah, uh, that was the same year I killed so Muddy. So you killed your biggest buck with a muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. The well, biggest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, nice, nice. And that was the same year I took a pretty nice deer in the bullpen with a gun. And I do remember the year, 2009. 2009. Yep. How did you just remember that all of a sudden? Uh, because I remember a T-shirt I made. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you made yeah. a shirt. What did it say? It's at the front of the shirt. I gave it to Mike for Christmas. It said, I shot a nice buck and had a picture of him and his deer on uh-huh. it. And then on the back it said, but my son-in-law's was better. Nice. Yeah, just, you know, getting at him a little, just a little bit. It's all in good fun. There. Yay! <laughs> They're both good deer. We're playing around with the soundboard a little bit. Well, that was a good story. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good deer. Um, have not shot a bigger deer with my bow yet, and uh, you know what? I might not. Uh, you might not. That's okay, because I'll shoot a lot smaller deer all day long. Yeah, and have fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I get the chance, obviously I'm going to take the chance, but um, dude, I'll shoot a 150 all day. Yeah. All day long. Shit, I'll shoot a 140 all day. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay, so I want you to tell me not of your first, I'm going to switch it up, mm. not your first turkey, Ooh. not your biggest turkey, but I want to hear your favorite turkey hunt of all time. Okay, well, we're going to go out even out in left field on this one because I didn't even kill a turkey on my favorite turkey hunt but my son did sometimes you don't have to pull the trigger you just got to be there that's right so um obviously taking my boy i've been taking him hunting um you know when he was a kid and we had a few years where turkey hunting was not friends to us and um we didn't get any turkey and um i was i think it might have been the year that i was transferring down here 
Um, I don't remember what year it was either. But I acquired a new hunting property, and I acquired it for turkey. I mean, that was the main reason I got it. I drove by this area quite a bit and saw turkeys there all the time. It was a cattle operation, and, you know, I went and talked to the old man and got permission, went out there, put some... No, I don't know if I ever put cameras up, but I did go out and um, listen for turkeys gobbling a few times and scouted it out and found that these turkey were roosting on this, I mean, this hill, but I mean, it was like this big mound. It was probably one of the highest points around the area. So opening day of youth turkey season, me and my boy take off, get out there early in the morning and it was actually cold i mean like frosty cold and we head out across the cattle pasture we cross a creek and as we're crossing the creek coming up to kind of like a logging road and we're gonna have to you know cross that logging road into the timber where i think these turkeys are gobbling as we're crossing the creek i don't know if we made a splash in the water or something a turkey gobbles and this turkey is 50 yards from us ish and so we i'm like we got to set up right here and it's still dark so we set up but i don't put any decoys out or anything and um as it starts getting daylight you know they start gobbling and i mean there's half a dozen gobblers on this ridge it seemed like and um start calling um they fly down and they stay on top of this ridge. And you can hear hens up there. And um, I did have a trail camera out because I knew that um, one picture that I had on trail camera, I had five gobblers in the picture, but there was also like, you know, more than a dozen hens in the picture. And uh, they start gobbling up on this ridge and they kind of seem like they're moving away from us. So, um, you know, my boy at the time is... 12 probably and um i'm like we gotta move around here we gotta we gotta get up we gotta try to get around and get in front of them so we start moving around the edge of the timber um kind of skirting the hillside the bottom of the hillside where they're on top of this hill and we kind of get to a part where it opens up and on top of the hillside there was a logging road or i say a logging road but like a clearing and it, we get to a point where it clears out, and that's where another like road kind of came off of that, came down to the field. And uh, I stop right there, and I'm like, I don't know if we can cross this. You know, it's pretty open right here. And I just happen to see a couple fans on top of the hill. Like I can just see them up there, just top their tail, their tail feathers. So I'm like, get set up on this tree. I tell him I point at a tree up ahead of me, and I sit down. So I'm about. Um, 10 yards behind him and I start calling and they're going nuts up there but I can I start where I can start seeing them up on top of this hill and I can see hens I can see gobblers <clears throat> and it takes I don't know probably 10-15 minutes and all of a sudden one gobbles and it's significantly closer at this point in time and uh, one one of the gobblers decided to break off come check it out he starts coming down and you know i'm sitting back watching i mean i'm far enough away that i really can't you know 
talk him through anything. And this turkey comes in to like 10 yards in front of him. I mean, close. No idea. And still, yeah, still looking for these hen. And I'm sitting back there like, okay, shoot. You know, like I'm thinking it, thinking it. I'm like, come on. He's sitting there. And finally, I kind of, you know, do the whisper out loud, like, shoot. And he blasts it. And I mean, it piles up immediately. He jumps up and is excited. And, you know, it was his first turkey. We were in there and out of there. And, you know, I mean, an hour after daylight, we were done hunting in the cold, able to, you know, go get some breakfast. And I think maybe came back down here because we were, had already had the place down here. But that was my favorite turkey hunt, I think. Um, I've been on a lot of turkey hunts. I mean, I have a lot of good ones, but I just, him getting his first one, you know, being able to be there and share it with him, that makes it my, makes it my favorite. Absolutely. Nothing better than taking your boy or your, your girl or your children hunting. Right. Yep. That is, that is it. Um, you know, taking, taking anybody. I mean, I've been with a lot of people when they harvest their first, you know, animal, first whatever it was that we're hunting. And I mean, we talked about it before, but that sometimes, you know, I get just as much joy out of that as I do getting one myself. So I want to keep doing it. No, I'm really hoping uh, after this upcoming spring, we get to hear BB tell us about his first turkey. I'm hoping, hopefully, <laughs> I'm plan on him going with me opening day oh, and make it happen, Beebs. Uh, oh, we've been close. We've been close. Hopefully, this will be it. This will be the year. So it'll be the year. You, you'll get it done. Okay. So I am going to ask you now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you. Hey, I got a question first. Okay, go ahead. Have we ever had a double? Have we doubled up on turkeys? No, I don't think we ever have. Like shot? No. Nope. I, d- I didn't think so. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember. Is You know, really, and I think that, I mean, it goes to show how our friendship and our hunting partnership goes, um, that generally speaking, we are there, and always one of us is helping the other one to some extent. Oh, yeah. And, um... You know. gener- there's been times we both have a gun. Obviously, oh, yeah. lots of times we both have a gun. But, like, we just know, like, okay, this time Dougie's on. Yeah, I'm calling for you, or yeah. you call, or, you or know. it's like, yeah. it just naturally, the way mm-hmm. we set up, the way the turkey is, we don't even have to talk about it. Yes. The way the turkey's well, responding, if you're a little bit further ahead of me, yep, we just point. And you also shoot left-handed. I shoot left-handed. So, generally, we set up so I can cover one side and you can cover the other. Dudes don't even have a chance. That's right. They're, they're murders. They're done. Okay, so I'm going to ask you next for your next story. It's going to be weird. You might have to think about it like for weird. just a minute. I want to know what is the best hunt that you've been on where nothing was harvested. Oh, dad gum. That's a question that I got to think on. Like, I didn't harvest anything, or no one harvested no anything? No one. There was not an animal killed, but something about this hunt. I mean, that, that, ooh. Mm. I want to say it was my, uh, my hunt out west. Your last elk hunt that we talked about? Or a different one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that probably should be it. I came back alive <laughs> instead of the alternative. Um, it, it's got to be one of the numerous hunts out west 
Okay. Be, that that no one harvested anything. I had a hunt out west with dad, um, his father, so my grandpa Yoder, yeah. and Mike. And uh, grandpa was up there, man. He was in his eighties, and he went out west with us. Dude was a trooper up until the the last last year he ever hunted, and he didn't make it more than. 75 yards out of camp, and that might be stretching it a bit, and he ended up shooting a mule deer. Nice. Yeah. By the grace of God, a mule deer wandered into camp, and he, he harvested it. You're cheating the system. I said nothing. I know. Talk. You said nothing. <laughs> but but no, that's a good one. So, so I, I should have just said you didn't harvest one, but... Oh, dude. <laughs> I, I can't say that I've been on more hunts that I did not harvest than I did harvest, but it's close. Yeah. Obviously, I don't feel like the harvest makes or breaks a hunt. Oh no, because that's that's shooting. Yeah, we can sh- we shoot we can shoot every day. But... Well, you can shoot, I can shoot. We know that, but yeah, there's things about hunts that that make. Oh yeah, the hunt. I hmm. Okay, hmm. I'll just change it up a little bit. I guess because that that is hard. But well, this is gonna be even hard. This is hardest, most memorable hunt of all time. Of all time. Uh, I mean, for me, that would have to be one of the hunts I took my oldest on. Yeah. Either her first deer or her first turkey. That's it's just uh, when you when you end the hunt, or not even in the hunt because you still get the joy of walking up on the animal that you just harvested. But when you uh, when you have tears in your eyes once your child has take in a deer or turkey that's uh that's worth something yep it, yeah. it's more fun than pulling the trigger yourself oh yeah like like you just said i mean we talked about my turkey hunt that i was my favorite and yeah and you didn't even shoot i didn't even shoot didn't have a gun Mm-mm. just calling so i love uh yeah definitely definitely it's probably taking my oldest out i love helping people get there first yeah to me, that's worth more than me going out and shooting five okay. deer a year. All right, so I'm gonna we'll just do this. I'll I'll ask you about a turkey hunt, and then you hit me up with one of my deer, and then we'll finish this episode out. So, obviously, you talked about your daughter killing a turkey. Mm-hmm. That was one, but let's mm-hmm. tell me a turkey hunt story. Mm-hmm. That's a good story, whether it be you. <laughs> That you got a turkey, your wife got a turkey, mm-hmm. someone else you were with got a turkey. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear a good story about turkey hunting. Mm. Well, the story that comes to mind when you first say that isn't much of a story, but it's a good story. That can be short. It's short and sweet. All right. Um. So, uh, Ashley and I hunt together quite a bit. Yep. Um. But we don't always get to hunt, and. Um, kind of earlier on when the girls were a little bit younger one of us had to stay home with them in the mornings yeah and uh we're lucky enough and blessed that we were able to live on a track of land that we're able just to walk out the front door and hunt and uh yeah one of the one of the mornings it was my turn to stay home which uh no big deal gladly do it because she gets to go out and um she went out it's her turn to turkey hunt took her took her 20 gauge Took a pot call. She had the old slate out. And, um, I mean, there's really not much to tell. She went out there, and she just got her done, dude. Like, she went out there, called, called, 
heard them respond. Uh, they're far off, moved in on them, called again, located them, moves in a little bit closer, and uh, then probably called one more time and then yeah, never called yeah, again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because <laughs> she doesn't call a lot. She she's uh, no minimalist on yeah. the calling. Yeah, she's the exact opposite of you. Yes, you're right. Um, she really did it kind of the way nature was intended and the way nature was built. So um, more times than not, the hens will move towards the gobblers. That's the way nature intended it. But um, yep. a lot of times when we're turkey hunting, we'll call and the gobblers will move into us. I just call a lot and excitedly Dude, make, call them, a lot. make them and think it, that we I'm... We get it done. But um, yeah. No, that was it. I mean, she goes out there, she and and she's calling, and she got got it done. And I heard the gun go off, and I'm looking out the window, and the next thing I see, she's walking up the road with the turkey slung over her back. That's pretty badass wife to go out there, kill one on her own. Yeah, come on, for sure, for sure. Nope, that is a good hunt, and um, she's done it a few times by herself, and she uh, gets out there, like you said, like she's learned how to call a little bit herself, and um. You know. Sometimes less is more. Yep. Oh, for sure. I I know I'm a I'm a overcaller, but I just like doing it, and I love hearing them gobble. And I've probably made a few birds hang up in my lifetime, but I'm probably not gonna change. But my we've got tactics. even more to come in. That's so. right. Yeah. It's a good time. I love it. You guys are so great. <laughs> You're so great. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, I want I want to learn something. Oh, learn. Okay. Um. What what was a deer hunt that did not go the way you wanted it to go, but you learned from it? Ooh. Pick one. I'm always, I'm always, <laughs> Pick one. I'm always learning. Dude, every single deer that I've shot, I learned oh. something. So. so it didn't go the way I want. So we're going to talk about a story of a lost deer probably is what we're, we're going at here. Uh, let's see. Man. I, you know, I, I'll go back a ways. I mean, I have one because I, I could go two years ago. That buck you came up and tried to help me track that we lost. Yeah, that's one I was thinking. You shot a really nice deer and uh, called me and I drove, drove an hour up. We looked for it. Yeah. Thought we had really good intentions. Had really, really high hopes we were going to find that deer. And what uh, we come up with? Uh, I shot him, shot him high. He turned. We were kind of thinking it might have been a broadhead malfunction. Well, up or something. no, I think it was pen- a penetration issue. Mm. Um, I had I had switched um, to a new broadhead. Um, nothing against broadhead. I actually just bought more of this broadhead, but I brought a smaller cuttinger. It was a two-inch sever broadhead, and um, I bought, I think they're an inch and a half now, the ones I bought. Um, I think where I hit the deer... So, from what happened was I went hunting end of October. It was ha- it was Halloween actually, and um, went out hunting. Um, saw some deer out in a field, a couple little bucks chasing a doe. So decided to go ahead and hit the horns together, just lightly. Um, and approximately twenty yards in front of my stand, I had a really big scrape, and uh, kind of tinkled the horns a little bit, and. I don't know. No. Didn't didn't have the horns, sorry. I had grunted and stuff at those smaller bucks trying to get a better look at them. Decided I was going to rattle. 
and I had my horns laid on a limb out in front of my stand. And as I reached down to grab my antlers, because they're in front of me, I like reach down and I look out in front of me and about 80 yards out, here comes this buck. And um, he comes straight to that scrape. Uh, I'm guessing he heard me running, was coming in to check it out. Comes straight to that scrape and he sits there working the scrape for, I'm sure it was, you know, two minutes at the most, seemed like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Straight on. And um, I... I figure I'm ready. I get everything ready. I, I figure he's going to continue on past my stand on the trail. Give me a, you know, perfectly good broadside shot. A really good deer. Um, I had a couple good ones on camera, and I think it was one of the big ones I had on camera. And he decides, he just turns to leave. And uh, so instead of coming in front of me, he just turns, wheels around, starts to go away. There's one opening. He's quartering away. I have this one shot. And I, looking back now, I what I learned from this is I think the deer was more on alert than what I thought. And I probably rushed my shot a little bit thinking he's leaving and this is about all I've got. Um, maybe I could have waited, seen what happened. But I take the shot and as I shoot, he ducks loads up to run whatever you want to call it so he drops and i hit him high and back a little bit angle should have been good but as he takes off running i i can see you know over three quarters of my arrow hanging out type of thing and i instantly kind of know you know i didn't get good penetration i actually i think i was still in the stand and started messaging you um, I knew I wasn't going after him. I uh, yeah, you backed out at first. Yeah, didn't pressure him. Yeah, I didn't pressure him. Gave I think him I I started messaging you. Said I wasn't gonna go after him. You said that you would come up. So I'm like, okay, yeah, just meet me at the house. So I backed all the way out, drove to the house. Did we eat real quick? Yep, Frito pie. Yeah, Frito pie. Had some Frito pie real quick, and then you know we went out and. Tracked that deer, not really good blood, but there was some, and we tracked that deer quite a ways. Quite a ways. We were yep. running a tracking system while we were doing it. Yep. That yep. we use out west. Yeah. We we moved him quite a ways. Never found him. Never, never seemed like he laid down. Never laid down. Yep. I actually had a guy come out with dogs the next day. We looked around. They searched around some, and kind of came to the conclusion I think he might have lived. Obviously, I don't know. That's best case scenario. But with all that, I learned that, you know, that was kind of what we've talked about. You know, I was a little overzealous because I, I wanted the deer. It was a really nice deer and maybe pushed the shot more than what I should have taken. But and it could have very easily gone the other way. How oh, often yeah. have we pushed the shot, made it happen, oh, as yeah. I call it, and... Yeah. um a, a really good buddy of mine that taught me more about archery hunting than anyone else has taught me and has a saying, an arrow in the quiver never killed shit. Yep. No. And, and I'm not, I don't regret taking the shot. Um, I mean, it was what I had, but it was, I would say it was still nine times out of 10, I make shot. the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you aren't just flinging an arrow and praying. Yeah. And, um, well within your range. Yeah. 
It's just part of bow hunting. But what I learned is with those broadheads, with a, it sounds great having an expandable broadhead in your quiver that has a two inch cut or more. Sounds great. And on a perfectly broadside shot of a deer, you know, 20 to 30 yards behind the shoulder, no bone, that thing is going to do some crazy damage. In an ideal situation. On a marginal shot, a far back shot, gut shot, you're opening up a huge wound, you're severing a lot of stuff, cutting, getting, and, you know, it can kind of make up for a bad shot a little bit. But when you get a high, you know, loin, thick area that has to go, the arrow has to go through a lot, you hit some bone, it really slows those down. And I shoot a heavy arrow, so, I mean, I have mm -hmm. the kinetic energy. Mm -hmm. So I just learned that. Um, I've experienced um, that with another broadhead as well. So that's one of the reasons why I went down taking a, a little bit of that cut diameter off so that I think I can regain the penetration but still have a good cut diameter. Um, actually listening to an, another podcast the other day, um, the guy, he's a broadhead guy, they talk. He does a lot of testing on broadheads, and uh, the host asked him to name his two favorite broadheads, fixed blade and mechanical. And the guy gave for a fixed blade broadhead an Exodus, mm -hmm. three blade, and a Sever for the mechanical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the exact two broadheads I have in my quiver right now. <laughs> yeah, I think Sever is a good head. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that shoot it. Yep, and I like it. Like I said, I just that. I just and you know, I saying if I had the Exodus on at the time, I don't think it would have done anything different. Really, it just I hit a bad spot. There, there'd be no way to um, to solidify it without um, recovering the deer and doing some investigation. But it's entirely possible yeah. that you just happen to go through a rib. Yes, I I think I you know possibly hit a rib that really meaty you know loin and everything in the back, which it would have had a to get to the lungs and heart, the ways to go because of the you know angle, the quartering away. So, um, just taught me you got to be patient. You got to you know really think your your angles through. Uh, you know you shoot for an exit, not the entry. Mm -hmm. um, that that is a big deal. And then huge, also huge. You know, I it I've already known. I think I've you know I kind of already knew this, but it also really also made me open to think of what you see after the shot and being aware because I was able to watch that deer and know where I hit the deer, the deer see a lot of my arrow in the deer as he ran off and know okay you know what I need to back out unfortunately that's a hard extremely hard lesson to to teach people especially right. via podcast or, or anything because you, you have no visual that comes after shooting dozens of deer. Yeah, and, it, and, and watching like body talk, language. And I and I talked about on our first episode talking about Josh shooting at that doe in rifle season this year. And I asked him, I'm like, where where'd you hit it? I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, after shooting multiple deer, you don't even have to see where your arrow penetrated the deer. But if you watch the deer and you see certain indicators, you can say. Oh, that deer's going down. That's yep. a dead deer. That's a dead deer running. Oh, yeah. Or, on the flip side, we've both been in this situation. 
you see a situation and you're like, oh, shit. Not right good. Not good. Even if you think your shot was spot on. Yep. And I've actually, something, knock on wood, um, my luck with actually archery especially is most of the deer that I've killed my bow, I've watched go down. Mm-hmm. So when I have one like that and I don't see it go down, I get super nervous. But how often are you hunting field edges, large country, oh, yes, crop but I mean, fields? But any either way, I mean, I've even when I've hunted timber, I've still watched them usually. I mean, I, I would say even as far as watching them go down, I've had my deer go down within 50 yards. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so. All right, so would you prefer to watch your deer go down, or would you rather not see your deer go down and walk up on it? Go down. Well, I'm the opposite. Yeah, no. Be- and it's, a lot of that's just because of that. Like, now, here's what head. I like, and this has happened a lot. I love shooting a deer, feeling yep. good about the shot, uh-huh. watching the deer's behavior after the shot. Still good. You're like, oh, there's a dead deer running. Mm-hmm. I know it's going down. Goes out of sight. You hear a crash. Oh, yeah. That, that's you good. hear a crash, but you don't see it. Right. Because then I still give it 30 to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you almost start. I almost start. I'm like, that deer went down, right? Like, I think yeah. I heard that. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that deer's down. No, oh, what if it didn't go down? I like seeing and them then, go down. I, I'm ready when I shoot one. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. What do you do? Do you go, Here's what I do. I go straight to my arrow. When you... When I shoot a deer, I don't, yeah, I don't care. I don't care if I watched it. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't care if I've watched it go down or if it ran, if I watched it run 200 yards and go out of sight. I go straight to my arrow and start trailing. I like I do not. I like to still see the blood trail. I want to know. I do not walk in the direction of the deer ever. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. I go straight to my arrow and trail the deer. Yeah, I got you. I do that too. I like to see, you know, know how it would be. I mean, it kind of gives you an opportunity to see, like, oh, yeah, that deer just died, you know, 30 yards, but I had no blood. And that gives you some stuff to think about. Or, oh, I could have followed this blood trail through a tsunami. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that deer of mine, my biggest deer, dude, G5 used to call it the red carpet treatment. Oh, yeah. There's a reason. I've shot several deer with a bow that look the exact same as a gun kill Mm -hmm. or more so. Yep. But even when I take my kids hunting or take a newbie hunting like you're taking Josh or something yeah even if I saw the deer go down I always take them to where you shot the deer yeah and make well, them trail they... the deer because what's that doing that's teaching yeah. them yes and that's giving them experience because there's going to come a time when you're not there with them yeah and that's giving them experience I did it twice this year with Aspen yeah she wasn't even hunting with me but I was out here hunting yeah shot him I knew they were dead. I said, hey, Aspie, I need your help. Yeah. Let's go trail some deer. And I showed her where I shot the deer, and I said, all right, go. Yeah. And oh, she yeah. followed him that, yeah. right to where I killed him. Because, I mean, I might not be around. Right. She's, no. I mean, they got to learn that. Yes, I, I agree. You got to go and do that. So It's a good lesson. All righty. Well, we rambled on about our storytelling. and Time is up. Our time is up because we don't want to go too long, and it's reaching the forty-minute mark. You get me and Timmy talking about hunting, we can talk all <laughs> night. So we can go. With that being said, thanks again for listening. Hit us up on social media. Um, we like to hear what you guys think, and give us any feedback you have. Shoot straight. Jesus, a loud 